Welcome to the Honor the Gift Podcast. I am your host, Art McCracken. I specialize in transformational leadership and high-performance coaching. I've worked with hundreds of companies and thousands of individuals along the way, helping them achieve greater outcomes in all aspects of their life. I'm a speaker and writer, but at the end of the day, none of that holds a candle to being a husband, father, and friend. I believe the greatest gift in our mortal existence is the gift of choice. How we honor that gift will shape the eternities. I also believe that career is a way of being and not just a way of life. And when you figure that out, by learning to let go of the charades and leaning into growth, life just seems to unlock itself. I know this because I've lived it. Quite simply, my calling is people experience living true. Thank you for being here. Thank you for making the commitment to lean into growth. I honor your journey. Now, let's do this. Hello, friends, and welcome to another weekly episode. In this week's episode, I have a very special guest. The topic of our conversation is culture and culture development. Uh, This special guest, uh, the reason I say special is because this next uh, individual has held a, a very significant and dear place in my own life. I promised you I would bring uh, guests to this show that have impacted and influenced my life uh, through their work and service. And Travis Anderson uh, is the, I would say, the genesis of some of the greatest changes I've made in my life personally. Uh, he was there on the ground and in arm in arm. And so I you know, without giving even much background on Travis, I think the greatest introduction I could make to this next man and human being is a very dear friend. Uh, he's the owner and founder of, of Culture Builders, a company that is strategically leading culture and, and development in organizations and in individuals' lives. And I feel very privileged to have Travis as a guest on our show. Every time I have a chance to, to talk with Travis and to, to truly listen to him, my life has changed. So, Travis, thank you for being on the show. Well, thank you, Art. Um, I feel the same way about you. I appreciate our friendship, and um, I've always enjoyed and appreciated our conversations because they're always uh, inspiring and uplifting and just so excited about uh, what you what you are all about, and and look forward to uh, our continued relationship because it, it's 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 one that's uh, very dear to me as well. So I I do appreciate your thoughtful and kind words. Thank you for that, Travis. Uh, first time we met was in we were co-facilitating a, a high ropes course leadership retreat. For one of my clients, uh, we collaborated with uh, another fine gentleman, Bob Spiel, uh, with that client. And it, it's just been such a rewarding relationship through the years. We've done, oh man, I don't know how many leadership retreats together and and done some collaborative work with some clients. And it's been fortunate to not just be a co-facilitator, but to be a participant in a number of those events and to learn from you. And one of the things that I'd like to start with today is you, you've always brought to the table at our experiential retreats the concept of leadership and really how somebody might show up and engage to get the most out of 
the event, but really the most out of themselves. And so you've introduced what you refer to as six key leadership principles. Can you walk us through those? And just for some background, the audience that will be listening to this episode, they're here because they have an appetite for personal growth and development. They are inquisitive about the choices that are available to them and the possibilities that are that are maybe knocking on the door and the hope that they might be better tomorrow than they were today through making choices regarding their own personal growth. And so I, I think six key leadership principles plays right into that. So Trav, walk us through each of those principles and how we might apply them in our lives. Sure. Happy to do that, Art. I uh, Over the years, I've, I've always tried to be very observant of the people that have had the most influence on me. And I've always noticed that it's not necessarily the people that, that, that are necessarily the most brilliant, the most, uh, has the most money or has the most prestige. It's people that literally uh, live life to the fullest. And, and what I've tried to observe, and a lot of times, and my definition of leadership really isn't about a position or a title or role. It's more about influence, influencing people for good. And, and, and what I've noticed is that the people around me um, that I've noticed that, that have influenced me for good basically have six common threads or common characteristics that I have really noticed over the years that, that I have really appreciated because they're fundamentals. I'm a big believer in the fundamentals. You know, I'm a big fan of, of uh, Vince Lombardi, who was a coach, of course, for the Green Bay Packers. And he, he always believed in sharing uh, it with his players and took personal ownership and accountability to make sure they understood the fundamentals, not only in terms of the physical aspects of the scheme and things like that uh, of their football team, but th just some mental fundamentals in terms of having a, 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 a uh, what I like to call uh, an attitude of, of, of commitment and attitude of, of being that, that really allows them to be successful. And essentially very much like he believing in the fundamentals, I believe these six key principles that I'm going to share with you are fundamentals that, that, that we can never master fully in this lifetime. But I think that, that working be, and, and becoming um, and, 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 and building these six key leadership principles in our own life uh, can make a huge impact. Cause I know that the people that have, that, that really have these qualities and these characteristics have impacted my life. So the first one is called playful out. Playful out is about giving it everything you have living life to the fullest but doing it in a very creative way. That's the reason why we call it, I like to call it playful out instead of work full out. So there's three key aspects of, of playing full out. Number one is to give it everything you've got. Number two is to have some fun while you're doing it. That's why it's called play full out rather than work full out, right? And, and I think the best way to, to really capture what play full out is all about is noticing how children approach life, right? If you walk by a, a um, a sandbox. Those those kids, they 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 are just they're in the moment, right? They they they're just giving everything they've got, but they're having some fun as well. They're they're actually play. It's in fact it's interesting. I love the word play because um, the research shows that your top um, 
you learn more in the first five years of your life in terms of how to navigate life and, and just in general, learn more in the first five years than you do the rest of your life. And my question to you, Art, is what do they do, right? It's They, they typically play, right? It's, at the end of the day, they're playing 100% of their time. And so playing full out is being curious and engaging life to the fullest, but having a kind of a, what would I say, a, a playful approach to it. And, and a curious approach and, and a creative approach. The other thing is, so it's about giving everything you've got and then some, having some fun and doing it with a playful attitude, and most importantly, being in the moment. I'm a big believer that life um, really is most powerful when you're present in the moment. And that can become a skill that we can get better at. You know, a lot of times people live in the past or they live in the future, but they don't live in the in, in the uh uh, in the present. So essentially playful out is, 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 is capturing that, that living life to the fullest and engaging yourself, um, in a way that you can, can, you can enjoy life. You can have a playful attitude, but also you're giving it your, 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 your all giving it everything that you got. If that makes sense. So yeah, that's definitely. First one. Do you have any thoughts about that first one or anything that you have any questions about in terms of that? I don't think so. I, I, for me, the thing that shows up, if, if you think about those kids playing in the sandbox, they just, they're leaning into discovery. They're leaning into creativity. They're highly resilient. It's just, they're active moving forward and yeah. exploring the realms of what's possible. Yes, absolutely. You know, I, I think I've learned more from my kids than ever going to learn from me just because they, they, they live life with awe, Right. They live law with curiosity, with wow, what that's pretty cool, right? <laughs> and 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 it's just so uh, inspiring for me to to learn from children, um, our own children, but anyone's children. I, I just think that seeing life through a, a child's eye is what playing full out is all about, mm -hmm. and, I, and I absolutely love it. Excellent. So that was number one, play full out. What about number yeah. two? Number two is what I like to say, respect different perspectives. And the thing that's that's valuable here is it's so easy to um, to look at life through our own eyes without being able to really see it from someone else's perspective. I uh, uh, The people that have really impacted my life are, are the ones that that take the time to step back and, and don't assume that other people see the world the way they see it. What they do is they assume that I'm that they can learn from every person that they that crosses their path, right? And that's for me something that that I should strive to do, and I know I could do a lot better at because it's so easy to just to just approach life the way we've always approached it, and and not really be curious or interested in, in recognizing and that that other people's perspective can be just as valuable, if not more valuable, than the way we're seeing the world, right? And so when you know, a lot of times people say, yeah, you got to respect each other. And I think that's true. Absolutely. But that's one of the best ways that I know how to respect people is to listen to them and, and respect their opinion and recognize that, that we might be able to learn something here, right? That we haven't considered or thought about, even if initially I don't agree with it, right? Right. So that's, that's number two. I, I, I love your input, uh, Art, on on your thoughts about respecting different opinions and, 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 and what that means to you and, 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 and any insight that comes to you as you think about that idea. 
Yeah, what comes to me immediately is to be open. Mm. Uh, be the the first to listen and last to talk. I think we learn. Yeah. There's so much uh, experientially, and as, as I think back on retreats that we've done together, just the tangible physical experience of seeing something from a different vantage point than somebody else physically. Mm. Like if yeah. I'm at the left of you and you're at the right of me, you're going to see things in your purview very differently than I see them. If I'm yes. lower elevation or higher elevation than you, same type of thing. And I think in life, we have so many moments where we're convinced that our perspective is reality. What I love yeah. about perspective is it's neither wrong nor right. It just is. It's what somebody experiences. It's what they feel, what they sense, what they touch, what they what they know and believe. All of those things form perspective. And the perspective is owned by the person experiencing that. And so sure. we can have completely unique experiences and, and perspectives in life, and that's okay. Neither one of them are right or wrong. I love the question, what do I know to be true that isn't? Yeah. And that, no, that's I, what I shows agree. up for me. Thank you. I, I always appreciate your your perspective, no pun intended here, but uh, <laughs> that's the thing is I, 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 the people I learn the most from are observers of life, right? They, they, they step back and, and they're intrigued, they're interested, they're curious about other people's thoughts and other people's perspectives. And what I particularly enjoy hearing is our people's stories, right? Because I feel like in many ways, we don't ever take the opportunity to learn people's stories about their life and about what makes them tick and significant moments in time that have impacted their life. And by respecting that and listening and learning, uh, I've been enriched yeah. so much over the years by just being in, in curious and interested in what other people's perspectives and what are their other life experiences have, have taught them. Well, what you said a moment ago about the story of people's lives, perspective is often influenced by the story that we're writing or that we're interpreting. And I think what, again, at the very genesis of of story or perspective is circumstance. And what's fascinating yeah. to me on these varied perspectives is we can, if, if circumstance is neutral, so say the, the sky is blue, you might have two very different perspectives or somebody might say something, use words or a choice of words, whatever it is, and two people can interpret those words so differently and form perspective and story that begins from that neutral circumstance that's just so vast and varied. And I think that's where the possibility of, of respecting others' perspectives, if I have something that I interpret as bad and somebody else interpreted the same circumstance as good, what do I have to learn from that or to give myself up to or to just entertain and to, and to listen and be willing to respect that the viewpoints and the perspectives formed based on neutral circumstances that we all experience in life might afford us. Oh, absolutely. And, and, you know, one thing that, that I try to keep in mind is I'm not, I, I, a lot of times I think as soon as we feel like we don't agree with something or somebody, we kind of are, we, we shift to, okay, well, I got to change their mind. I've got to convince them that I'm right or, mm -hmm. or that this is the way it is or whatever. And one thing that served me over the years, Art, is to say, okay, I, I don't necessarily need to agree with what they're saying, but 
I don't know if I agree or disagree unless I truly understand it. Right. So I need to step back and listen so intently and carefully and understand their perspective fully before I can agree. And actually, it's okay. At, at, at the end of the day, sometimes I agree with what they say, sometimes I don't. But it's a, it, it's okay to, to to disagree, right? It's it, it doesn't matter whether you disagree at the end, but unless we're willing to let someone else have their perspective and understand it, we're not going to learn much from it. And we're not going to come up with something that might be better than either one of our perspectives that, or, 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 you know, our, you know, what our thoughts are. So, yeah, I, I, I love the concept of perspective and the ability to step back. And I feel like uh, the people that I appreciate the most are the ones that have what I call a 360 willingness to look around all around them, you know, not only in terms of what someone's saying, but how they're saying it and being much, being so much aware that they're, they're just aware of, of what's going around them in all areas, uh, and, and 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 when you're having a conversation, just to take it in context and to to not make quick judgments or uh, or or jump into trying to convince someone that they're wrong. So, yeah, very good. Number three, what do we got? Number three is is very much related to respecting different perspectives, and that is truly listening, not just listening. There's a big difference between truly listening and sort of listening, or going through the motions or just hearing. And one thing that, that, that really has spoken to me over the years is uh, I've shared this with you before, but I'll, I'll never forget. My, my daughter taught me a huge lesson on what it means to truly listen. Uh, and that is, is one day I was intently listening to my, I, I was visiting my family and, and we were having a great conversation around the dinner table. At the time my daughter was about two and a half, three years old. And she came over and says, daddy, daddy, I got to tell you something. <laughs> and I was so tempted to just, not now, not now, you know, maybe a little bit, just a minute. Then I'll, I'll talk to you because I was so engrossed in the conversation that I was having. And then I tell you, I was just, I, I just had this feeling, this insight. Wow. Sage, that's her name. She said, I could tell that she was so excited about something. And I'm so glad that I made the right decision that day and pushed myself away from the table, got on my knees and looked at her. And I said, well, Sage, what's up? And she said, Daddy, I can't tell you. I got to show you. So she took me by the arm, by the hand, took me outside, and allowed me to see something that I'll never forget. She took me out on the porch. We looked up, and she said, Daddy, look at that. And it was the most beautiful, gorgeous rainbow I've ever seen, Art. And as I looked at that rainbow, I said, Sage, you think anybody else would like to see this? She said, sure. So she went back in, got everyone back out. Uh, and we're all, there's like 40 of us, shoulder to shoulder, looking at this incredible rainbow. It's a moment I'll never forget because as I walked back in at that moment, first of all, Sage was the happiest little camper in the whole mm -hmm. planet. She felt so excited because, in fact, it was so uh, impactful that, that I actually gave her a nickname right then and there that has stayed with her ever since. And that was, she's my little rainbow of joy. But as I walked back, I realized that I came this close because 10 seconds after we went out there, the rainbow was gone. And we walked back in, and I realized that if I'd waited even 10 seconds later, if I'd waited 10 seconds before I engaged her, in my mind's eye, I saw her out there watching that rainbow disappear and just wishing in her own mind or feeling so alone, thinking, oh, my goodness, I wish Daddy was here. And instead of that thought, we had an incredible bonding experience, not just with her and me, but the entire family that everyone remembers that moment. So for me, that was a huge lesson about the importance of truly listening. In other words, what that means for me is stop what you're doing. Three simple things. Stop, stop, look, and listen, just like our parents used to teach us before we go across the road. Stop what you're doing. 
look in that person's eyes, just like I did with my little daughter, and listen, not only with your ears, but with your eyes and most importantly with your heart. Those are the things that I feel are so powerful, not only in terms of just listening to children, but honestly, we're all just grown-up kids. <laughs> and if we could stop, look, and listen in the moment and be able to connect, it can be such a profound experience. That whole experience took maybe 10 seconds. It stayed with me. And ever since then, she and I, every time she sees a rainbow, she calls me. I see rainbow. I call her. It's happened hundreds and hundreds of times. And that has literally cemented and bonded our relationship like no other because we both love rainbows. So that, in a quick synopsis, allows me to truly share and and, and believe that, that listening is probably one of the most viable characteristics of any leader. I appreciate that, Trav. I know I've heard you share that story about Sage a number of times, and it always impacts me. It helps me reevaluate the presence that I place in the moments where others are talking, where an idea might be important to them or something that they're wanting to share. And do I give myself to that? And I love that those three pieces of advice, stop, look, and listen. And, and truly listening requires, I believe, an absolute presence. Yeah. So I, I, I love that story, Trav. And I've shared, I've, Shared your story about stage with others that I've come across in my life, and that leadership is is also sharing the lessons that you've learned along the way. And so, love it. Thank you for reminding me of, of Sage. Number four. Number four is put your butt on the line. Uh, and, and I'm a big believer that a lot of times it's so easy to get comfortable with what we've always done. And, and just good, getting good at something and then just continue to do that. But I truly believe that it's a simple statement, but a very powerful one, that learning takes place on the edge. Learning takes place on the edge of your comfort zone. And that comfort zone, um, we don't learn much at all inside the comfort zone, right? I mean, because we already know it, it's familiar. Where learning takes place is where you're on the edge of not knowing, on the edge of your comfort zone, on the edge of success, on the edge of failure, on the edge of, gosh, I'm not sure I can do this. That is where the learning takes place because we're trying something new and we're doing something different. And the cool part about that, of course, Art, is um, when you continue to press up against that edge, your comfort zone gets bigger and bigger and bigger because every time you do something outside of your comfort zone or what you're familiar with, you're going to learn something, right? You don't learn anything doing the same thing we've always done. Um, so for me, that 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 really is is the key. If if you really want to be a a, a leader, I, I have a simple statement, and that is, the moment you stop learning, you stop leading. And the way to learn is to challenge yourself and be willing to get outside of your comfort zone and do things that you normally wouldn't do, but you do it anyway. Uh, I'm a big believer that, that courage is, is not the uh, absence of fear at all. It's feeling the fear and moving forward anyway. And, and typically that requires us to get outside of our comfort zone. So that's, that's number four, I believe. Very good. Any thoughts about that one? Uh, Learned it and lived it and benefited from it. Uh, being willing to put your butt on the line. As you said, learning takes place on the edge, the edge of a lot. And I think 
being willing to go beyond that edge of comfort requires that you take some risk. Uh, sometimes yeah. it's expensive in the relationships yeah. that we face and, and the changes that are possible and all the fears and doubts that come with moving beyond the edge of our comfort zone. So uh, learned it, lived it, benefited from it. Love it. Number five. Number five is trust yourself and trust others. Most of the time we, we think about trust as something we, we build with other people, and that's true. But unless you're willing to trust yourself, other people aren't going to trust you, right? And so I, I'm a big believer uh, that in order to, to create trust in relationships, you, you've got to learn to trust yourself. Trust that you believe in who you are, what you're about, and have confidence in who you are. Have confidence that what you think is important. Have confidence to, to believe that you can make an impact, that you can influence people for good. Not no much, not so much necessary in terms of what you do, but who you are. Being able to have the confidence that who you are uh, in and of itself and your presence can impact other people, but only if you are willing to trust that you can make an impact. Not that you're necessarily going to force it on anybody, but that you're open and, and interested in influencing people and that you have the capability of doing so, I think is really important to know that you you need to be able to trust yourself and trust others. And when you trust others, it allows you to trust yourself more. And when you trust yourself, it allows you to trust others more. So in a nutshell, the concept of trust for me is, is the foundation of any strong long-term relationship because if you don't have trust you don't have anything so you talked about trust yourself the second part of that was trust others how does that play in well i'm telling you if if you don't trust yourself i can guarantee you no one else is going to trust you right <laughs> At the end of the day because people are going to recognize that or feel that you're not confident so if you're not confident about something that you're doing or what you believe in why should i be confident in you or others right, right. so that's a, that's a key point for sure Let's move on. We, we have a lot of topics to discuss, but I, I know number six is, is kind of the bow on this package. What's the sixth key leadership principle, Trav? Well, it's simple. It's called be a daymaker. And, and I usually start uh, the conversation around being a daymaker, talking about what it means to be a daybreaker. I know that we've all experienced being around negative people, people that literally have a tendency to, to bring the energy down and, and to talk negative about things and always complain. I like to say they have a tendency to drive their BMW, you know, mm -hmm. they love to bitch, moan and whine. And, 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 and honestly, I think we've all recognized how draining that can be. On the other hand, there's also people in our life art that I, I feel like every time I have a conversation, I'm better off, right? For whatever reason, they have this commitment and intention in their heart to, to do what they can to serve others and to make someone else's day. They make your day by just being there with you. And, and I got to tell you, um, of all the people I've learned from, I, I have to say my mother has been my most impactful day maker because I remember as a kid art that no matter what I was doing, what I was involved in she was always interested she always asked me questions and 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 shared thoughts that allowed me to recognize that she saw something in me that i didn't she made my day on a consistent basis just because of who she is and i've tried to do more of that because i still feel like even though she's passed away i hold her dear in my heart because she always did everything she could to make my day just a little bit brighter 
Uh, and I know that we've all experienced that. I'm curious, Art. I mean, when you think about a daymaker, has anyone come to your mind that, that has, a, has had an impact? And, and can you share with us, if you don't mind, share with me what um, what specifically that, that person did that, that made your day and why you appreciated that so much? You know, I can think of a number of people in my life. Um, you being one of them, I kind of started the show with that. But if I just think about the people that have been daymakers for me, there's some common characteristics. They bring an energy and a vibrancy for life. Mm-hmm. Uh, their perspective is typically one of opportunity, positivity. They bring a, a presence and a humility around seeing and sensing the needs of others and leaning into contribution into their life in that moment. Uh, they set their own needs aside. So high service. Um, and and to experience that in even a five-minute conversation or a 30-second exchange to feel, um, I guess, the receiver of someone that is being a daymaker, the, somebody that... Uh, is having that level of influence and leadership in your life, you just feel better. You feel enthused. Yeah. You, that that attitude contagion it wears off, and you just you feel loved. You feel seen, heard, uh, invested in, and cheered on. And it's it's such a great thing to experience. And I, I love that that's the the bow on those six key leadership principles of being a daymaker. And I think an important part of that is we know and we've experienced the daybreakers, not just external to us, but we have been daybreakers at times. And there are so many choices throughout the day, thousands of choices. And I think that that choice point or that strategic uh, question is in that moment, am I going to be a daymaker or a daybreaker? Yeah. You know, I appreciate you sharing that because I believe every single morning we wake up, consciously or unconsciously, we decide how we're gonna how we're gonna approach that day. And for me, just asking that simple question, what can I do to make someone's day? And I found that if I at least think of one person and make their day at least once that day, it's hard to have a bad day. Yeah. It really is. Because there's no such thing as a bad day as long as you can make someone else's day a little bit brighter. Yep. And what's interesting about that is not only can it help them feel better about themselves, but just making that happen allows us to experience a, a moment of joy, even in a day when things aren't going well for us. And it can be, as you said, just a five or six second engagement. A word might not even be said. Just yeah. a, a, a glance and a smile can go a long ways. I'm a big believer that one of those moments in time can be felt and impact people in, in amazing ways. Yeah, I, I love what you said there, a smile, something so basic. But when others smile at us, it feels different. Oh, yeah. And, uh, yeah, it does. Again, choices that we have. Hello, friends. Thank you for tuning in. I hope you're enjoying this week's episode. If growth, personal growth and development is your thing, and you're here learning and leaning into growth. Glad you're here. Glad you're part of the community. If you want more of this, make sure and hit subscribe in this podcast platform or any of your favorite podcast platforms. Search for Honor the Gift podcast. 
and make sure and subscribe so that it shows up each week with new updates, new conversations, new learning, new ideas and concepts, again, to help us all in this journey we call growth and how we make it through life and the way that we show up for others. Also, if you are looking for more information, deeper dives into some of these conversations, and just an update to stay in the loop, you can always go to choiceisthegift.com and click on subscribe where you'll be uh, in the loop on things that are upcoming and more updates on this podcast. Again, thank you for being here. Now let's get back to the episode. So as we shift gears a little bit, some of the things that uh, that we've talked about in past conversations, and I, I'd like to bridge this with a little bit of your experience. We talk about leadership principles, and these are ways for us to incorporate and, and a, maybe a, a new way of showing up in our life to get a greater impact and influence. But the fascinating thing about leadership is once it extends beyond your own self-development, which oftentimes engages the way, the way of being around others, is this whole notion of, of culture. And I know culture exists anytime you have more than one person in a setting or circumstance. And you've defined culture in the past as being, it's simply the way we do things around here. And so with that premise and, and looking at some of the work that you've done through the years, you've worked, again, I'm not going to go through your whole resume, but you've worked with some professional athlete, athletic teams. Uh, you've worked with uh, CEOs and founders of some of the biggest companies in the world. You've worked with individual performers. You've worked with teams and organizations, and culture is your specialty. So let's lean into the conversation around culture. And I'm going to give you an opportunity to give some flavor to what culture is, again, in your mind. And then I'd like you to, to walk us through your eight pillars of an infinite growth culture. Thanks, Art. I. At the end of the day, uh, culture is probably the one term that I never get ever tired of talking about, thinking about, uh, having conversations about. And that's because culture, in, in, in one word, really is about relationships, right? It's all about relationships. And to be able to, as you said, to recognize that the way we do things when we're engaged and when we're in a relationship is so impactful, but even more important is the way we are, right? And, and the way we treat one another. And a simple thought for me is, is relationships literally are a feeling of connection. It starts with being able to be connected. In fact, I'll just jump into three specific things that I try to share with uh, CEOs that literally, um, I find has been helpful not only for them, but for me to stay focused on. And that is if you want to build a healthy, high-performance culture, I say, number one, there's three things to keep in mind. Number one is that you got to make culture building and, and, and i.e. relationships priority. You've got to have it on the top of your mind. It has to matter because if it isn't a priority, it's not just part of the game. It is the game. Uh, and in the game, the way I like to define it is, is literally uh, being able to, to, to create value, to meet each other's needs, to co-create value and share that, and, and to be able to share 
your thoughts and insights and, and be able to add value to people by meeting their needs. Uh, and that is just a, a human, uh, what would I say? It, it, for me, it's what matters not only in business, but in life. We, we create culture in our families. We create culture in groups we're a part of. So making sure, number one, that, that, that relationship building, i.e. culture, is, uh, is, is the priority. Number two is, is this ability to recognize that we're never going to be able to build culture unless we are on our own personal leadership journey. We're on our per- personal growth journey. To create an infinite growth culture, honestly, uh, you have to be willing to do the work, right? You, you've got to be able to recognize that it starts with an innate desire in your heart to do good and then to do everything you, ha- you can in your uh, world whenever you meet somebody, to do what you can to learn from that person and to grow together rather than just uh, tell them what to do. It's about engaging people. Uh, but willing, but you're willing to do your own personal work, your own personal growth. Number three, if you want to become a, a truly high impact, high performing culture builder, the last thing you got to do is you need to be able to get to be able to become what I like to call a master connector, right, and a master communicator, <laughs> because culture is created through conversation. And if we really want to impact people, we can't have a conversation, meaningful conversation, unless we connect with them first. That's often underappreciated and frankly overlooked. We start talking without really making a connection. And that goes back to what we talked about earlier about stop what you're doing. You know, stop what you're doing. Look in their eye, connect with them, and then literally listen. That's the number one thing. And when you connect with them, then they're willing to con- have a conversation. And it's meaningful. And we co-create value for each other, if that makes sense. So those are just three keys that I, I find have been so helpful, not only for my clients, but for me personally to think about, am I, is relationships number one, is culture building my number one priority? Number two, am I doing my own personal work? to get there and to model and to uh, do everything I'm po- I possibly can to, to, to really not tell people how the culture should be, but to show them. I think showing people by modeling that and being an example is more important than anything. And last but not least, become master connectors and master communicators. And when you do that, it allows other people to feel your energy and you together now you're co-creating a culture that you couldn't do otherwise. Just curious if, if anything, um, if that makes sense at all to you, or, or or if you have any questions about it, Art. Yes, um, it does make sense, and I love those three pieces of advice. I think that's again. I look back at the experience that you've had, and you've worked with some phenomenal organizations, some legacy teams that have been able to um, create alignment around culture development, culture protection, uh, have found ways to engage in in a meaningful uh, venture towards growth as a as a group. And so I know that these these pieces of advice that you're offering up to, you know you use CEOs in this case uh, to organizational leaders, to team leaders, 
some personal responsibility, some aptitudes that uh, that need to be in place to start down that path and to really start to embrace the responsibilities of, of creating a, a performing culture. So in the work that you've done with different companies, different organizations, coaching individuals, I know that some of your current work is identifying, you know, what is it that holds up these these organizations that are different than everybody else, that somehow they just consistently get results, they consistently see growth and, and progress in everything that they do. And I know that you could share so many stories with us through the years, but as you've baked this down and defined what, what you believe from your perspective, those pillars of a, of a continuity or an infinite growth culture Help us understand what you see from your perspective that that creates that consistency. You know, I appreciate the opportunity because I've spent a lot of time thinking about the the relationship between infinite growth and culture. And and what I've been able to identify in conversations and, 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 and I've learned from people that have really done it incredibly well is that there's really eight key pillars, as you said, that kind of hold up, um, that, that, that allow a culture to truly be driven by infinite growth, both on a personal standpoint, but a professional one as well, at work as well. But let me just briefly go over these. I'm not going to take a deep dive in each one like we do with the six key pillars. I like to touch yeah. on them. And yeah. then I'd like to briefly share uh, maybe an example or two of, 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 of one or two of these pillars and what it makes a difference, how it makes a difference in creating what I like to call an infinite growth culture. Number one is leadership. If you know, most companies, you know, they talk about the importance of leadership, but they don't take the time to create an environment where people can learn how to lead. They and they don't take the time to to do the the, the personal the, the work. They don't do the, the private work that they need to do in order to build culture. And so it starts with a leader's commitment to 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 think about how they want to influence people for good right that's my definition of leadership so that's the number one pillar number two pillar is cause you need to have that leadership with the with with a cause and a cause really is why what is your purpose right why why it does your company exist what is that purpose And, and a cause can literally uh be so innate that and, and, and it's most powerful when you have a personal cause that's interwo- interwoven with a company cause, right? And we'll talk about that a little bit, a little bit later. Third is vision. Once you have that cause that, and be clear about your that, you actually um, have what I like to call, um, you got to have a clear vision, right? You, you literally need to have a, a, a real vision of what's, what's possible and and a lot of times people are not clear about what they want they're not clear enough to make it become reality they just have a vague idea so i'm a big believer in in working with executive teams to help them get really clear about what that vision really not only looks like but what it feels like and create experiences around it where people can sense something that that really is so powerful that that it attracts people to be a part of you uh, next is you got to have a strategy, right? Uh, at the end of the day, if you have this great vision but you don't have a strategy, uh, you're not in, you're not in 
you're in trouble. A strategy is nothing all that complicated. It's a plan, right? You've got to have a strategy, and it's got to be very specific. And and literally lately, when I work with companies, I, I, I what I found is a good time frame is is about three months to take a look at things. Uh, and I like to say we we're going to be winning by quarters. You know, every quarter of the year, we're going to look at okay, what is our strategy? You know, and how are we going to make that happen? Next is you got to also be clear and frankly clarify and 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 fine tune your processes, right? So to, just to, to recap, you got to start with leadership. You got to have a cause. You got to have a sense of purpose. Next is you got to have a clear vision. Next, you got to have a strategy. Then you've got to have processes that are going to support that strategy. And and the the uh, the sixth. Uh, key pillar is to, okay, let's take a look at what our resources are. <laughs> what is our resources, financial and otherwise? What are the things that are available to us? And what resources do we need to have? Seven, the seventh pillar is execution. You can have all the greatest, you know, you can have the, the greatest cause and the greatest vision and great strategy, but if you don't execute, that's number seven. You, you're not going to get to where you need to be. And it's about really just making it happen and, and creating accountability throughout the company and recognizing that if unless we execute our plan, I'm sorry, not nothing's going to happen. Last but not least, Art, it's one of the things that most people fail to do. It seems so obvious, but it's not. And that is you need to keep a score of the game. And and I, I love sports because it's, it's uh, something that, that really has instilled my love for culture building. Uh, I don't remember the wins and losses as much as I remember that camaraderie and that connection and, 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 and literally the ability to – and those relationships I built through sports. But the value of score of the game is you know where you're at any given time and it allows you. If you don't keep track and score the game, in other words, be able to measure things and recognize at the end of the quarter, end of the month, end of the week, end of the day, if you don't step back and say, oh, wait a minute, how, where, where am I at? What's the score right now? that's why I love sports. At the end of the game, you know what the score is. You know who won, who lost. And if we can keep track of our wins and recognize what the score is, it allows all those other things to, like a recipe, come together in a way that, that literally can make an impact. And I've actually worked with companies, Art, that they, they do a lot of great things, but they don't measure stuff. They don't keep track. They don't keep the score of the game. They don't have all the measurements in place. They, they're not able to get the feedback loops and that they need and they don't know where they're at and if you don't know where you're at it's really hard to know where you're going to go so in a nutshell those eight pillars i found has been very nice touch points for vision-driven leaders that want to create culture by design rather than by default that last statement culture by design versus culture by default i know we've had many discussions about that that paradigm and what you've defined here is the eight pillars of what I would refer to as a culture by design. You're setting an intention and you're, you're holding yourself to the vision and, and purpose of your existence as a brand, as an entity, as an, an individual, as an organization, as a team, that you're living true to that, which brings us maybe full circle on this conversation I ask this question of all of my guests, and I uh, back to our conversation about perspective is different for every individual. 
from your vantage point, what does it mean to you to live true? You know, I, I appreciate that question. I, I, I find that such a, a, a powerful question. And as I think about what it means to live true for me, what that means is, is, is to, to be willing to look at your heart, right? You know, uh, I always share that uh, it's important to, to think things through, but if I haven't learned any lesson in life, the lesson that I've learned is you gotta, you gotta listen to, you gotta listen to your heart. And your heart is going to let you know whether you're living true, right, or not. And and when you're able to literally embody what your heart is saying and recognize that you have the ability to become anything you want to become, but only if you really embrace who you are and live true to what you know is is true for you, right? To live true to what you know to be true for you. And I draw truth based on my experience of life not necessarily what someone has told me or said to me it's my experience of life it's been my greatest teacher art and so for me living true is living in the moment (laughs) engaging life fully being able to connect with the people that i'm around and to realize that i'm only as true as i can show up and impact people in a positive way to help them become the best that they can be and to help them recognize and hopefully live true to their truth. So in a few words, that's, that's a few of my thoughts. And I, and I really appreciate the opportunity to think about it. And I just love that question and I'm going to continue to ponder it because I think it's a powerful, powerful question. Thank you, Trav. And appreciate your, your perspective on that. It, it brings to bear the conversation we're having around leadership and culture and for me, I, my beliefs, my personal beliefs around career is that career is a way of being, that it's not this separation of I'm this way at work and I'm this way at home and sometimes they're not the same. And, you know, in, in community, maybe I'm a little bit different than I am with my friends. But when it comes to personal and corporate development, you have said to me, it's got to be both. And so when it comes to living true, and you touched on this in your pillars, that in fact, it was pillar number two, or no, uh, not in the pillars, it was in your uh, advice to a CEO. You said that recognize it starts with you and the development work you're doing. And so what I find in living true is that when you're on purpose, when you've identified what your truths and beliefs might be, they really inform a way of being, a way of being that by intention should transcend every area of your life. Yes. So what what thoughts do you have on that as maybe a, a final closeout? And if you could give maybe a one single piece of advice for humankind, <laughs> what would it be? Well, you know, I, I agree with what you said. I, I, I really believe that um, creating your own sense of clarity about who you are is, 
is so critical because as you said, if you're pretending to be somebody or, or your only goal is to come across a certain way to certain individuals and you're different at work, you're different at home, you're different when you're out with your friends, I don't think that's living true. And, and when you can truly embrace who you are and show up the same way that you would show up with anybody, the same, uh, and, and essentially open your heart, literally what it is, mm-hmm. to whoever crosses your path. I, part of my purpose statement is to be able to uh, create safe space for, for, for my family, but every person who crosses my path to be themselves, right? To be able to create space. And, and for me, that's what culture is all about. Uh, so at the end of the day, uh, if I were to uh, leave with one simple word of advice, it would just be to embrace your heart, period. Embrace your heart. Embrace the fact that your heart is, gonna, is going to influence not only yourself, but being by embracing your heart, you're going to be able to. Uh, other people are going to be feel comfortable and safe enough to embrace their heart as well. Wow, Trav, um, I I can't tell you enough how grateful I am for you. Um, those listening and, and including myself today in this interview, we've been fed well. We've been blessed with a wealth of, of experience and knowledge and service that have culminated in your best work. And I'm grateful for that. I'm grateful for you and the way that you show up. You have had an impact in my life. And I hope that those guests that are tuning in or downloading this episode in the future are really listening to the messages that are found You've maybe heard the quote before that sometimes the greatest music is found in between the notes. Mm-hmm. And I think our opportunity to listen and to really take what's being said and talked about in this episode as something for consideration and something for possible choice. So thank you so much, Trav, for being on the show. Well, thank you. I, I truly appreciate those kind words, Art. And I just want to thank and thank you for being uh, a daymaker. You just made my day by uh, allowing me to interact, interact, and, and and engage with you. And again, I uh, I believe that conversation is such a powerful, powerful thing, and the essence of culture building is a conversation. And so, thanks for our conversation today, and I look forward to many more. Very good, Travis. For those listening, remember that growth is always a choice. Until next week, my friends, make it a great one. Remember to always 